Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Friday, October 27th, and this is your FT News Briefing. The former golden boy of crypto took the stand in his own defense yesterday. Morgan Stanley announced its pick for a new CEO. Plus, Washington is boosting its military presence in the Middle East. But it it is a kind of delicate dance with a lot of potential for miscalculation, and I think that's what makes people so nervous. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. We got a little preview yesterday of Sam Bankman-Fried's defense against the fraud charges he's facing. The FTX founder told a judge that he thought he was following legal advice when he allowed his hedge fund to borrow money from FTX customers. That left FTX with an $8 billion hole in its balance sheet. Bankman-Fried could face a lifetime in prison over the collapse of his crypto empire. The jury wasn't present for yesterday's hearing. The judge overseeing the case will decide what evidence can be repeated in front of jurors today. Just a heads up, the judge seemed pretty skeptical about Bankman-Fried's defense. So what's leadership at Morgan Stanley looking like these days? Well, we got a clearer picture this week. Starting in January, the new CEO will be Ted Pick. He's been at the bank for decades. Pick's taking over from James Gorman, who announced earlier this year that he was stepping down. Here to talk about Morgan Stanley's leadership change is the FT's U.S. banking editor, Joshua Franklin. Hey, Josh. Hey, Mark. So, Josh, James Gorman, those are some pretty big shoes to fill. What's his legacy at Morgan Stanley? So James Gorman is a really interesting example of a Wall Street leader trying to go out on top. He's been at Morgan Stanley for a long time now, 14 years. But often when um, executives are in these high-powered finance jobs, they find them very hard to give them up, especially when the going is good. And that's what uh, James Gorman is trying to do here at Morgan Stanley. He's this very urbane, Australian wealth management executive historically who took over the bank when it wasn't in great shape at the start of 2010. And he's really transformed it from an investment bank with a pretty uncertain future into an asset and wealth management juggernaut. And Gorman, now that he's built this thing, is kind of trying to do a victory lap, say goodbye, and pass on the CEO job to basically what seems to be his his handpicked successor. Yeah, let's talk about Pick for a second. How are investors feeling about him? So I think it's a few things. I mean, this move was was very well telegraphed at Morgan Stanley. It was known who the three leading internal candidates were for the job. It was Ted Pick, who runs investment banking and, and sales and trading, Andy Saperstein, who runs wealth management, and Dan Simkowitz, who runs asset management. And Ted Pick, all along in the process, was seen as being the front runner. So it's not a big surprise that he ended up getting the job. As an added bonus, they also said that Dan Simkowitz and Andy Saperstein hadn't just agreed to stay, but they were actually taking on expanded jobs. So they're actually going to become co-presidents under Ted Pick. So it's a real sign of continuity at Morgan Stanley. And a bit of a rarity on Wall Street that a succession process can be handled like this with all of the leading candidates for the job staying around after the main uh, person for the job has been picked. Josh, it's a weird time for the global economy. How does Pick handle that as he takes over Morgan Stanley? 
I think if you're Ted Pick, yes, you have a lot of challenges, but you also are taking a seat at the table with some of the best cards of anyone in the industry in terms of a business that is very well understood, very well liked by investors, very well capitalized, and with a very clear strategic direction. So I think the challenge for Ted isn't so much managing the current environment. The challenge is more is like, what does he do in this job? How does he make a mark on Morgan Stanley in the same way that James Gorman did? How do you improve on something that's been going so strongly for so long right now? Exactly. Josh Franklin is the FT's U.S. banking editor. Thanks, Josh. Thanks very much, Mark. For days now, U.S. troops based in the Middle East have been on high alert. Armed groups have launched at least a dozen attacks on American military bases and personnel in Iraq and Syria since October 18th. The militants staging these attacks, they're backed by Iran. And Washington is worried that more might be on the way as Israel prepares for its ground invasion of Gaza. Here to talk about the escalating security situation is the FT's Felicia Schwartz. She covers U.S. foreign affairs and defense. Hi, Felicia. Hello. So, Felicia, like I mentioned, the groups staging these attacks are regional proxies of Iran, not Iran itself. But still, I have to imagine the country has some sort of stake in this. Yeah, so as one, um, you know, former CIA official I interviewed this week said, Iran is basically an arsonist and they like to go around the neighborhood and find the best arsonist in each place and support their arson and then let them do what they do well, which is start fires. They, you know, have an overall aspiration, in the words of some of these officials that I've spoken to, to, you know, one, get the U.S. out of the Middle East. They want to be the regional hegemon and they want the region to be oriented their way. And two, they're committed to destroying or messing with Israel. They don't want Israel to be kind of the dominant power in the region either. And everything that I've uh, understood in my reporting is that it's not that Iran is directly saying, you know, attack building X in this place, but they're certainly not putting the brakes on or stopping these groups from sowing chaos or sort of prodding the U.S. on the margins. Okay, so knowing this, how is the U.S. responding to these attacks? They have been rushing in all kinds of defenses. Um, There are two carrier strike groups. That's like an aircraft carrier and some other associated ships that are operating in the region. One is going to the Persian Gulf. One is in the Eastern Med. They're rushing air defenses. They are putting additional troops on standby. And so basically, you know, as Israel is figuring out what they're going to do, the U.S. is using this time to get their troops secured. We're obviously talking about a military response here, but is there also a more covert angle the U.S. is looking at? I think there's been a huge diplomatic effort to get messages to Iran, whether that's from the U.S. directly or through uh, other actors and parties and its allies like the Saudis or through the Lebanese, uh, to, to make it clear to Iran that they are responsible for what happens to American troops and that it would be a mistake to escalate. And, you know, they're also supposed to be passing these messages as well to, to its proxy groups. But it, it it is a kind of delicate dance with a lot of potential for miscalculation. And I think that's what makes people so nervous. And that nervousness, 
Felicia, comes from some uncertainty about just how much the conflict between Israel and Hamas could spread across the region, especially as Israel prepares to send troops into Gaza. How worried should we be about a wider war? I think that there is real palpable fear in the U.S. government and other Western governments that this could spiral out of control and become something much larger. So I think there are going to be a lot of variables about where this goes in terms of how the Israelis respond, what happens in the West Bank, if Hezbollah and Lebanon seize opportunity to get more involved. I think that will really color what comes next. But I think there is a risk here that this becomes something larger. Felicia Schwartz is the FT's U.S. foreign affairs and defense correspondent. Thanks, Felicia. Thank you. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com for free when you click the links in our show notes. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back next week for the latest business news. The FT News Briefing is produced by Kasha Broussalian, Sonia Hudson, Fiona Simon, and me, Mark Filipino. Our engineer is Monica Lopez. We had help this week from Sam Giovinco, Breen Turner, Michaela Tendera, David De Silva, Michael Lello, Peter Barber, and Gavin Coleman. Our executive producer is Topher Forges. Cheryl Brumley is the FT's global head of audio, and our theme song is by Metaphor Music. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.